there's a recent study that says the part of your brain that causes anxiety and, and makes you feel overwhelmed is the same part of the brain that um, we feel gratitude. So you can't be anxious and uh, grateful at the same time. So just be grateful. If you work for the Catholic Church and want to avoid burnout, overcome team dysfunctions, and put more souls in the pews, we're here to help. I'm Tai Hua, here with my co-host John Kahns, and we're providing leadership development for Catholic ministry professionals. Every week, you can expect practical advice to help you move Jesus' mission forward in your parish. Today, we're diving into part three of our series on change. We're focusing on implementation. Hey, John. Ty, good to be with you today. I threw you for I, uh, a loop on that, that intro, huh? Threw you for a loop? No, I threw you for a loop. Oh, you, you put a different emphasis. You know, we've done this enough times. You know, it kind of rolls out the same way each time. And, and you put a little different emphasis on a different syllable there. And uh, <laughs> Gotta keep it, you on your was, toes. It was novel. It was unique. I It probably stand out among the listeners, too. But really, I did that probably because I'm sleep deprived. <laughs> Why are you sleep deprived? Fatherhood is tough. Yeah. Yeah, those first few weeks are. Very rewarding, but very tough. Yeah. Yeah. You're referring, of course, to the um, the golf putting green that you built for your son yep. in the basement, right? Yep. <laughs> that it's a family heirloom. <laughs> I figured I didn't have a family, family heirloom to pass down, so I made one. <laughs> That's fantastic. I can't wait to see the plans so that I can build one. Well, like Noah uh, and his ark... It was all just given to his, his brain. Ah, uh, I see. I see. Yeah, I suppose too. You know, it's like Jesus says, if you build it, they will come. Yep. I forget which uh, book in the Old Testament said that. You don't remember which one? Nope. But I think that's oh, the one right. that the prophet, um, is it Kevin Costner? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds right. See, I got a funny story for you. Okay. I, I was listening to, um, it's a, another podcast. I don't just listen to our podcast. I do occasionally dabble with others. This uh, this podcast, it's called Godsplaining. It's well done. I, I enjoy it. I re- just recently discovered it. It's by a handful of Dominican friars, and they, they just they talk about all the Catholic things. But on there, they were interviewing Jason Everett <laughs> and Jason Everett's been around forever and the guy's awesome it has a great um, chastity ministry and, and does a great job but I uh, I was listening to him talk and I was remembering a while back his his account his Facebook account got hacked a number of months ago and they the hackers spent five months posting just Judge Judy clips <laughs> and <laughs> There's a few things to take from that. Naturally. One. <laughs> well, first of all, I saw that months ago. I had, I started, I hopped back on Facebook and I saw him posting Judge Judy. And I was like, man, I must have followed the wrong guy or something. This is, this is a weird parody account. <laughs> but I think there's maybe a goal for us in there to be so uh, effective in the kingdom that somebody has to, uh, that somebody feels like they need to attack our social media and post Judge Judy clips. <laughs> that is but he said... The other side of that, though, is he said after that time when he got the uh, the control of his account back, he had 15,000 new followers. 
that were apparently Judge Judy fans that were just into those clips. So they started following the account. So now we can witness to them. Social media <laughs> hack of the century. We're going to start posting Judge Judy clips. Just pure Judge Judy from here on out. Follow us on Facebook. <laughs> well, today, like you said, we're, we're jumping into uh, implementation. And I, I came across this quote. This quote uh, in another podcast because I'm an addict, a true addict of the podcast culture. And this comes off of the Catholic Saints podcast. The Catholic Saints podcast. Oh, it's right there. (laughs) I should read the notes. (laughs) But anyway, what they said is that the secret sauce to sanctity is a perfect conformity of words to deeds all based on the gospel. And I, I just thought that kind of tees up this topic really well. It's wordy. It's a little bit of big words in there, so I'll say it again. The secret sauce to sanctity is a perfect conformity of words to deeds, all based on the gospel. And that's coming from the wisdom of St. Benedict on the Catholic Saints podcast. But this idea that sanctity and holiness comes about, or really the thing that allows us to live out and, and become more sanctimonious. No, nope, that's not the right word to become more holy, is when our actions fit our words and when those are all based off of the gospel and how that that's really what we're talking about here. We started with that first week for this series on change, talking about discerning God's direction and choosing to follow it, right? Picking that most important thing that's going to allow you to follow that, right? That's picking the change that you're going to do. And that should all be based out of your prayer, out of your, your work with the Lord, right? Based on the gospel, then your words proclaiming this is the change we're going to make. And now we're going to talk about your deeds fitting that proclamation. So your deeds fitting your words, and it's all based out of the gospel. And that's what this is about. So we're going to dive in with implementing change. Ty, you ready? I am. I do have one note, though. So you're telling me that people don't like when you say one thing and do another? (laughs) Well, um, you know, I can't speak for anyone or everyone. I can't really yeah, speak for Yeah, you don't for speak anyone. for anybody. <laughs> not even for yourself. I, I know that it bothers me. Yeah, not, to, not to segue too far. I actually just spoke to one of my um, old salespeople. And speaking of hypocrisy is what we're talking about. You know, within the, the realm of sales, there's a lot of KPIs. There's a lot of activities that, that are tracked. And so on my team, I expected high activity, high output, as well as high sales. And we were talking about a former salesperson that, you know, she, she, on paper, it looked like she's doing everything right. High activity. She's putting in the work, you know, her territory was growing. And then he was telling me, he goes, Ty, that was all BS. Like she knew the game. She knew how to get those dials up, which is activity. She knew that if she was short on talk time, she could call this number and they would put her on hold and then she'd go off and do something else. She like, she was so full of it, but on paper, it looked like she was doing all these great things. And then she would get praise from other people, which really aggravated the other team members because they knew what she was doing, but they didn't want to rat her out or, or, you know, say anything. So hypocrisy does not go well with anybody. It's poisonous. And especially like if you're well-intentioned to begin with, but then you start behaving that way, becoming more hypocritical. Why can't I come up with words tonight? Hypocritical. (laughs) 
if you become hypocritical in the process of doing that, it'll undermine the efforts of what you're trying to do. So again, that perfect conformity of words and deeds through the gospel, like centered on the gospel, is super important. So today, as after having identified the change, communicating it, this part is most, it's practical, right? It's And these are five things that we're just going to run through that you really want to consider as you implement the change in your parish. And uh, those five things are task management, streamlining your processes, holding people accountable slash managing expectations, and then not being afraid to pivot, and finally prayer. And so let's just take a look at that first one, this task management area. And you you know that we, we like to put things in three specific buckets when it comes to the tasks that we might have. There's conversations that you probably need to follow through on, those crucial conversations. There may be things you need to change in how you work. And then there's probably some things that you need to learn. But the important thing here is that as you've begun to build out a plan for putting this change into place, you want you really need to prioritize and manage and schedule these tasks. You need to prioritize them because they're not all equal, right? They don't all have the same effect on the change that's going to happen, not the same level effect. And they they don't all take the same amount of time to implement or to switch over. So you really need to think about what is the order, what is the process. And and if you don't, if you don't begin to kind of segment them into these areas and into these different buckets, well, what you'll end up is one big pile of tasks and things that need to get done. So uh, if you're interested, if you're interested in going through a tool or having a tool to help you to prioritize, manage, schedule tasks, I want to encourage you to go to catholicministryprofessionals.com slash resources, and you can download the only planner sheet you'll ever need. And what this is going to do is it's going to help reduce the stress of making change happen. Because again, instead of one big project that you need to accomplish, you have little bite-sized, doable chunks of work to accomplish, and you've already done the work of prioritizing them. So you could wrap up for one day, come in the next day, and you already know where to pick up the ball and keep running. So that there, there's a lot less lead time, kind of get up and going in the morning. And especially if you've got a timeline, kind of crunch time now with your change that you're implementing, you're really going to want to have those, again, prioritized and scheduled into specific buckets. So this the second area you want to focus on then is, is streamlining your processes, especially now that you've broken out all of your tasks, right? You've, you've managed them well, you've put them in their buckets. Um, you're, you're going to have a little better overview of all this, right? And not to keep in, you know, not to forget too, once you're implementing change, change always comes with extra items that you need to juggle. And that's whether it's answering new questions, right? Coming up with your frequently asked questions, whether it's figuring out new tech, coming up with a new way of communicating with the team, um, unforeseen scheduling conflicts, especially if you're coming up with a new formation schedule or something like that. Suddenly there might be schedules that were never an issue for you before, but now you have to consider. So as you're scheduling, as you're prioritizing, as you're doing all of these important elements of the change, you're going to want to look at how they all line up and probably find some ways to streamline some of your more routine tasks so that you can be more free to put out the fires that pop up, for example, those scheduling conflicts. So some ways that you can streamline these, some ways that you can do things differently, template email responses, batching and scheduling your weekly communications, coming up with different volunteer roles, like uh, think about you know the setup, if you have a different setup, or even 
bringing a group in to do the setup, even if it's the same, just so you don't have to. Or a teardown crew. You know, you can always do that to make those events run more smoothly with the setup and the teardown. You know, maybe in the past you always had to set up the rooms for religious ed, but this year you're, you're just going to come up with a home base for catechist materials and they're going to come in, they'll grab those and they'll set their own space up. So think about those processes because, again, as you're doing change, little fires are going to come up. And if you can find ways to streamline the process, to fine tune things, and and even, I would say, delegate some of those menial tasks out of your realm, that's going to help you to respond to bigger issues if and when they come up in the process. The third thing then is that you're going to want to hold people accountable and manage expectations. So you're going to best hold people accountable if you've really thought through and communicated your expectations ahead of time. And that's why these two are grouped together. You need to manage expectations. And I would say most of the headaches that we run into in ministry is because we we didn't clearly communicate the expectations. And at some point, we probably failed to hold people accountable, right? So for example, if you asked your parish team to send any feedback that they hear, like straight back to you, especially if it's negative, but then you hear that other members of the staff are indulging that negative talk on the side, right? They're, they're talking about that change in a negative way. They're really kind of gossiping with parishioners about it. Then you need to deal with it, right? This is where we have to hold people accountable. We have to have those crucial conversations. And so you need to remind them, especially if you communicated it before, that all of that negative talk, right, it needs to be sent to you. They don't need to indulge in it. They don't need to try to handle it. It needs to be sent to you, right? Again, crucial conversations with managed expectations. Uh, maybe you asked your catechist to attend an extra meeting and they're not. They're just not showing up. Well, you need to have that conversation now and you need to communicate with them. And even thinking ahead too of, you know, my communications ahead of time, I need to manage those expectations and say, hey, we need you at every single extra meeting that we have for our catechist or it's okay if you miss one or two, but after that, we need to talk, right? You need to communicate those expectations ahead of time so that when it comes time to meet up with them, they're not saying, well, I didn't know it was an expectation. I didn't know that it was mandatory. I didn't know that I wasn't going to be able to be a catechist if I didn't do X, Y, and Z. Um, talking about parents, maybe you told parents that they needed to be the catechist for a class and they're not signing up. This is a big one. It's a really simple one. If you told them, hey, parents, you're the catechist. If you don't sign up, we have to cancel class. And then nobody signs up and you're finding subs anyways. That's going to, be cu- that's going to communicate something very specific to them. So it's up to you then to cancel the class to hold yourself accountable to the repercussions that you put in place, to the guidelines that you put in place, to that box that you've set up. So that said, did you communicate that ahead of time, right? That follow through that communication ahead of time and then the follow through afterwards is going to make or break this moment for you. It's going to make or break a lot of communications. It's going to give you or save you a lot of headaches in the long run. Uh, But in all this, again, how much you can think of ahead of time, how much you can communicate ahead of time, what your expectation is, wherever and whenever there is a miscommunication, I just want to encourage you, like, don't be afraid. You're not going to think of everything, right? Don't be afraid to apologize. Take ownership for not communicating something well. But then don't be afraid to pivot. Don't be afraid to redefine things and model just just the humility of saying, well, we're not there yet. We're going to mess up. But let's keep moving forward together. Let's keep striving after this excellent thing. 
Yeah, and I think too, an important note on that is you're holding yourself accountable, showing that like, hey, this is the, the cadence of accountability. If you go back to the 40X principles, I'm not just going to be, you know, lording over you guys on accountability. Like I screwed up, like that's on me. I'm going to hold myself accountable. You know, we're, we're going to implement different changes to help rectify that so that it doesn't happen again. So I think it's a really good thing to, to really discuss and continue to have that, you know, cadence of accountability. Because if people don't realize things, there are going to be uh, repercussions of things that they either did or didn't do. They're just going to do whatever. I mean, they're going to run, you know, run amok uh, as far as your your processes and, and all your systems that you put in place. But the minute you have your systems and processes in place and they don't adhere to what you put together and there's now something to be held accountable for, then they're going to be like, well, you know, I need to do it because this is going to happen if I don't, right? Like you said, we're not going to have a, a, a class for my kid or whatever. We're not going to have this event or, or hey, I can't be a catechist. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, there's something funny that happened, not funny, but really cool that happens too when you hold people accountable because it goes from this is just religious ed or this is just church choir or this is just whatever element of the parish to, oh, this is this is a thing that now I have to miss out on, right? Oh, they've got standards here. that it, it elevates the programming. It elevates whatever it is that you're offering them when you have that cadence of accountability and when you hold people to it in a real way. All right, so uh, those were the first three. Number four, and we touched on this just briefly, but don't be afraid to pivot. Again, you might have miscommunicated something. You might have your expectations may have been way too high. But if you realize that something truly isn't working, I think it goes a long way if you can model humility for them, just admit it, and make the new change. And and that might be conceding something to them. It might be, you know, com- just completely even changing directions again. Uh, but yeah, if, if it's appropriate, apologize, really be human. You know, you're you're already in the process of doing a new thing and you might as well just try to get it right instead of committing to a bad idea if you've realized that, that, that that's what it is. So uh, just don't be afraid to pivot a little bit. And it's that ongoing conversation of this is the, the evolution of our program. It's the transformation of our program. It's us journeying somewhere together and intentionally working towards that as a goal, as a parish community. So just don't be afraid to apologize and be human and make mistakes. It's better to make mistakes and get closer to the right answer than to never risk anything and be far away the whole time. And finally, um, the fifth one, I want to encourage you to pray. Ministry starts with prayer. This change started with prayer. This process lives and breathes in prayer. And finally, ministry has to end everything with prayer too. Always go to the well. This change in the parish, right, it's going to be hard work and you need to go to the well. It's going to be hard work, but it won't work if it's not founded in Jesus as both its source and its destination. So you really continue to pray. Don't get so caught up and wrapped up in trying to make this thing happen that you forget that God is the one who's going to make it happen. Jesus is the one who's going to make it happen. Jesus is the one who's going to bear the fruit. You're just there to do the day-to-day work, to try and you know, be that tree that can bear the fruit, that he can water, that he can feed, that he can fill to overflowing so that people can be a part of that fruit with you. So 
you got to pray. You got to pray at the beginning, got to pray in the middle, got to pray at the end. Amen? Amen. So just to recap those five different things, task management, streamlining your processes, holding people accountable and managing expectations, not being afraid to pivot, and praying through it all. Those are five things you really got to keep in mind as you implement change in your parish and ways that if you if you do focus on those and you try to do those pieces well, you'll you'll experience success. I know you will. And on that note, I think we can head into Devil's Advocate. You know, John, thinking about putting all of this into action just feels overwhelming. I, I get the, you know, let's plan it. Let's talk about it. Have the the town hall meetings, but just even thinking about pulling the trigger to start gives me the heebie-jeebies. What say you? Oh, I hear you. If that is you, if that's your experience, if that's how you feel when you think about starting something new, it feels like a big project and it's overwhelming. I want to encourage you to just take a deep breath. Just take a deep breath. The first area I want you to start is just with task management, what we talked about above. I just want you to focus on prioritizing, organizing, and scheduling tasks. Uh, and the reason for this is, is that once you do this, you're going to find that all these other pieces start to fall into place. Right? When you're looking at the big project, it always feels like it needs to be done, and it all needs to be done right now. But when you break it down, you know suddenly you realize that, that there's a time for each of these tasks. They fit into a timeline. They're all individual tasks. And each individual task is not probably all that scary on its own. And you can probably even get a handful of them done by the end of the day. Right? But yeah, when you look at that big task, it's overwhelming. Focus instead on looking at the little pieces. And it, this is something that Sister Catherine, the wise sage, Sister Catherine Easley, she taught me this when I was uh, at a Catholic school doing campus ministry. And I, I had a retreat program. It was four full class retreats all on the same day in four separate locations with different speakers, different teams leading them, all that stuff. It was a lot to organize. It was a huge project. And there there was a day where I was really, I was really freaked out about it. <laughs> there was a, so many pieces I needed to fall in place. But I, I went and talked to Sister Catherine and she said, you know what, John, all you have to focus on is the specific items for each thing. Just look at the next little item that you can cross off your list. Go do that one thing, and I promise you it'll create momentum, and you'll go for the next one, and then the next one, and the next one. She said, just break it down into the pieces. Don't look at the whole thing. Break it down into the pieces, and you know you can do those pieces, and you know you have time for them. So that that's that's the magic that happens, right? Suddenly, instead of this huge thing that you need to get done, you break it down into smaller chunks, and, and it becomes... Instead of this big thing, it becomes a list that you can execute on. And it makes it concrete. It makes it manageable. It makes it way less scary. And and once it's scheduled, you can do exactly, you know, what, what Frozen taught us, right? Frozen 2, just do the next right thing. You haven't seen Frozen 2? I haven't even seen Frozen 1, bro. Oh, man. We'll have a movie night. Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah, you just wait. It'll get you. So it sounds like Sister Catherine, is it? Yes. Um, she, what she said reminds me of a lot of a lot of the gurus out there that say, you know, how do you how do you eat an elephant, right? One bite at a time. You can't swallow the elephant whole, but now it might take you a long time. But if you 
Mm. Take it in small chunks, small bites. You will eventually eat the elephant. So I think that has a lot to do with it. And it's a, and I tell a lot of people, you know, whether it's helping them with their golf game, right? You can't just go from picking up your first club and swinging, turning into Jack Nicklaus, Tiger Woods, or, or any legends of the game. Like it literally is small, nuanced changes. Now, I want to pull scripture out of it and just throw this at you. Uh, Philippians 4, 6 and 7. Right? Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Right, We talked about it. That's the fifth thing that we talked about, prayer. Um, there's a recent study that says the part of your brain that causes anxiety and, and makes you feel overwhelmed is the same part of the brain that um, we feel gratitude. So you can't be anxious and uh, grateful at the same time. So just be grateful. Mm. So there's that. Should we move on to some actionable steps? I would love nothing more. <laughs> well, as you guys know, we never want to leave you without something that you can do today to move the ball forward to get these things going. So if, if you followed the actionable steps from the last two weeks, this is where you should be. You should have answered that one question that if everything else stays the same, what is the one area where change would have the greatest impact on implementing the church's mission? You should have answered that question. But then you should have also thought about three people that are invested, invested in your ministries and you should have run that by them, scheduled coffee, you know. Um, you should have scheduled your town hall meetings in the calendar and reserved the space and then sent the email out to let people know. You should have started writing your vision statement, putting that together. That's where you, you should be at if you've been following along and performing these steps. If not, it's still a great roadmap for you. This week, we continue that roadmap, and we're just going to add on the only planner sheet you'll ever need. I referenced it above. We'll put a link in the show notes. Go to catholicministryprofessionals.com slash resources. We've got, it's literally called the only planner sheet you'll ever need. It's pretty straightforward. It kind of walks you through how to list out your tasks, how to batch them, how to prioritize them. But it's a really simple tool to help you do this. And especially if you are struggling with anxiety over this change, if you feel like there's too much to do, this is the resource you need. And it's going to help you to batch, organize, and prioritize the tasks so that you can accomplish and make this change happen in your parish. Amen? Amen. All right. Thanks for listening to the Catholic Ministry Professionals podcast. If you found today's show helpful, please immediately text it to your pastor and a friend in Catholic ministry so that others can find out about the show and begin transforming their parish through their work. Also, if you got a moment, give us some feedback by either submitting an honest review on your podcast app or emailing us at catholicminpros at gmail.com. As always, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, or at catholicministryprofessionals.com. And with that, we'll see you in the vineyard.